It's an honor and a privilege for me today to get to open God's Word with you um, and to bring the message today. And today, we are going to continue on in the series that we've been in, in the book of Luke. And the title of that series is On the Road with Jesus. And today, we're going to focus on what Jesus says about everybody's favorite topic in the church, money. I see, I, I see the eye rolls, I know. This is the Sunday you said, I'm coming to church, I'm coming to church, I'm coming. And now, here, he, here, here comes the pastor, he stands up, he talks about money. Um, I promise you, I am going to keep it to what Jesus says in his word about money. In fact, the title of this sermon is Jesus on Money. And these passages that we're going to look at in the book of Luke, they all contain teaching from Jesus himself, and I think they're applicable for us today in terms of how we think about money and how we view money according to God's principles. And so to get started here this uh, afternoon, I just want to take a moment. Let's do a quick show of hands, quick show of hands. Um, you're going to raise your hand when you hear what you think are the number, number of Bible verses that talk about money, okay? So when you hear a number that you think sounds good, um, go ahead and raise your hand. Who thinks there are 50 Bible verses that talk about money? Okay, who thinks there's 100 Bible verses that talk about money? All right, we, we got a couple hands. Um, who thinks there's 500 verses that talk about money? Raise your hand if you think, if you think it's 500. Okay, all right, more hands. Um, who thinks it's 1,000? 1,000 verses. Okay, I see a lot of hands now. All right. Um, so who's right? Well, none of us are. <laughs> the answer is there are over 2,000 verses in the Scriptures that talk about money. 2,000. In fact, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about any other topic. Did you know that? He talks about money more than he talks about anything else. Now, to be clear, this is not because Jesus was obsessed with money or um, because God needs our money. Like, God doesn't need our money. He owns everything. <laughs> it's because money or our use of it or the way that we view it reveals a lot about our hearts. It shows what we value. It shows what we don't value. It shows what we invest in. And it shows what we spend very little on to grow. The love of money is also one of the reasons why many people will choose not to follow Jesus. So let's learn together this afternoon about what Jesus has to say about this all-important topic of money. So here's the roadmap for where we're going to go in the Scriptures today. We're going to look at five passages in the middle of the book of Luke. Now, I know that's a lot. I know normally we preach on one passage here. Um, Pastor Logan from Park Slope Community Church has been going through this series. And when we were talking about the weeks that we were going to assign, um, he's like, here, take this one. And it's, it's like five different passages. So I promise I'm going to do my best to synthesize those for us. But hang with me. Everything will be on the screen behind me. Uh, but you can follow along. Um, but that's where we're going. Five passages. Who's ready for it? We good? Okay. All right, let's get into it. We're going to start in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verse 13, with a story known as the parable of the rich fool. Now, that's a great title, the parable of the rich fool. So please open your Bibles or follow along. Someone in the crowd said to him, him is Jesus, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger barns. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So the first main point that I want you to see, soul security is better than social security. So what is Jesus teaching us here? What is he teaching us? First, let's get out of the way what he's not teaching, what he's not saying uh, from these verses. Jesus is not saying that it's sinful to save money. He's not saying that. In fact, the Bible talks about saving money in a lot of places and a lot of other passages, such as Proverbs 10, 4 through 5. A slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes the rich. He who gathers in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who brings shame. It is biblical to save money and to plan ahead for the future. There's nothing wrong with that, and Jesus isn't saying that. So, what is he saying here? Jesus is teaching us to guard against greed and to guard against finding your security in your wealth. There's nothing wrong with saving money. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead for the future. But don't be greedy and don't find security in your wealth. And this story begins with somebody, actually, uh, it's, um, ironically enough, it begins with someone trying to get Jesus to settle a dispute about an inheritance. Now, what motivates that? That's obviously driven by some sort of greedy impulse, right? Which is why Jesus addresses the topic here. Jesus turns this into an opportunity to warn us about the dangers of greed and coveting what other people may have. Verse 15, Jesus said, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard. Be on your guard. That's like a warning. When you hear be on your guard in the Bible, when you read that, that's a warning. That's like, hey, pay attention here. Uh, be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. I'll say it another way. Don't let your possessions possess you. Don't let your possessions possess you. True security in life comes from knowing Christ. That's where true security comes from. It does not come from having a bunch of money or having a bunch of stuff. Those things can be nice. They can be good. You can use them for good. We'll talk about that in a minute. But that's not where we find our security. Why? Because those things can't go with you into eternity. They don't make the trip. They can't give you eternal security. Only Jesus Christ provides this. Verse 19, we see it right here. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. The rich fool in this story thinks his life is complete because of all his possessions. And what that causes him to do is forget his need for God. Again, we're not saying there's anything wrong with having possessions or having things. Don't let them possess you. He forgets his need for God. He says, I have everything I need. I don't need God. And we'll come back to this in a similar point. But for now, let's move on to verse 22. So we're still in Luke 12, verse 22. And he said to his disciples, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. 
Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They, neither, they have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And uh, they neither toil or spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried, for all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. The second main thing that I want you to see here this afternoon, God's provision is the only sure thing. God's provision is the only sure thing. Maybe you've lived on, on this earth for a little while and you've had people approach you from time to time in your life and they're like, hey, I got this sure thing right here. <laughs> hey, you should get in on this with me because this is a sure thing. Or hey, maybe you should make this move or try this uh, approach because it's a sure thing. God's provision, church, is the only sure thing. And here, Jesus connects the previous section with a short teaching on anxiety as it relates to money and stuff and possessions. Jesus uses examples here of birds and of flowers, and he makes his point that God is our provider and God will never fail. We just sang a song, you've never failed me yet. God will never fail to provide for his people. And isn't this a teaching that we need to hear? Many of us, if we're honest, we tend to put... um, We tend to put way more daily, day-to-day trust in our stuff or our ability to earn money to get more stuff than we often do in God. But this is actually, if you think about it, a very uncertain way to live. Think about this. Jobs change. Sometimes they change when you don't want them to change. Sometimes they end before you want them to end. Emergencies arise that cost money and resources. In time, unexpected bills come your way. Housing markets change. Stock market bubbles burst. And these things are not totally in your control. Injuries or disabilities, they can affect your ability to earn income in certain situations. But Jesus, as he often does, he turns this type of worldview on its head. Jesus says, instead, you should seek his kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom of God. He says, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So church, instead of viewing our abilities, our talents, our money, and our stuff as a sure thing, we should look to God and his provision as the only sure thing. God's kingdom has been inaugurated through the ministry of Jesus. It's already come, and it's coming in full one day in the future. And for those who have trusted in Christ, we get to be a part of it. That's awesome news. Like we get to, like we get to be there. We get to be, um, as they say, in the room where it happens, Right? Like, we get to be there. We get to be a part of the coming kingdom. And if you're in Christ, God has promised to provide and to care for you. So seek after him. Make that your drive. Make that where you channel your energy. Seek after him, not after more stuff. Now, turn in your Bibles a few pages. We're going to go to Luke 16. And this passage is often referred to as the parable of the dishonest manager. The parable of the dishonest manager. 
I'll begin reading Luke 16, uh, verse 1. We'll start right at the beginning. He also said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what I'll do, so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? And he said, A hundred measures of oil. And he said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then